Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Matthew 26 is where we're going to be. Now, I'm going to read verses uh, 36 through 46, okay? I'm not going to speed read, but I'll read with a little bit of a level of expedience that you might be seated tonight. 26, and I'm going to start at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. He saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Everyone say watch. And he went a little farther. He told them, you stay. I've separated you from the group, but you stay. He went a little farther. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, mm, I don't know if there is a greater place in all of the text than that word, nevertheless. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And he says to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Verse 43 almost annoyingly reads, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and he went away again and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. He is at hand that doth betray me. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to just teach on this topic right before Easter for just a little while tonight, um, that we need to have our eyes open going into Easter. Um, we need to open up our eyes. We need to be aware of the spiritual climate, if I could say it that way, okay? Would you just briefly pray with me, and we'll dive into this for just a short while. God, we love you. We thank you for our opportunity to study the text here together tonight. I pray that you would help me to articulate with wisdom and with clarity. I pray that you would anoint our time together. I pray that you'd bless every hearer, 
We want to be better because of our time in your presence and our time in your word. We ask it in a unified effort in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For every one of us, Easter week has some similarities, but it has some differences. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you, you grew up as one of those people that always had a little Easter basket by your bed when you woke up in the morning? Come on, some of you are embarrassed about it. Some of you got it until you were way too old. Some of you want to get on a soapbox and, and say, what does that have to do with Easter? I don't know, but it had candy in it, so... It felt right. <laughs> but what Sister Gallion, as she so powerfully and dynamically led our worship service tonight, as she began to reflect upon the cross, I found myself re-engaging with the reality for the only way for us to get from this Wednesday night Bible study to the Sunday celebration is to accept the truth of what happens with the cross. There has to be blood that's shed. And I know that I mentioned this on Sunday morning and I know that we touched this on Sunday night. And I'm so thankful for a powerful communion service on Sunday night and the dynamic crowd and engagement that was here. The Holy Ghost met with us. Thank you for being faithful to that. But for us to be effective uh, in celebrating Easter, then we have to be honest about what was endured to get to Easter. In fact, as Christians... We do a great disservice if we don't honor what took place leading up to the cross. This particular chapter and where it's found, this story in the synoptics, you can, you can take a look at this, go look through it in Luke. In fact, I'll reference Luke probably again here in just a little while. But as we're reading here, I don't think we get a greater moment to picture the true humanity of Christ than we do here in Matthew chapter 26. I think we're all in agreement that with each passing year, our world seems to be easing further from God. It's a tragic amen to have to give, isn't it? It's sad how easily and readily it rolls from our tongue. The United States Homeland Security Digital Library, it holds a copy of the concurrent resolution 223 that allowed the use of the Capitol Rotunda for a private prayer vigil after the tragedy of airplanes that crashed into the, the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in 2001. It says this, permitting the use of the Rotunda of the Capitol for a prayer vigil in memory of those who lost their lives in the events of September 11th, 2001. As members of both houses of Congress gathered in the rotundra that day, Christian Americans rejoiced at the representation of faith among leaders. They hoped that things would begin to change for the country, that prayer would now become a higher priority from the governmental offices right down to the homes of the citizens. But disappointingly, after tragic We've even fallen further behind than I would say we've ever been before. But make no mistake about it. I feel very clear, and I want to give you this very clear direction, 
there is a great divide occurring. I don't, I don't want you to be ignorant of his devices. And I want you to be understanding of who we must be as believers. The great divide is occurring. You will not be able to keep a foot on both sides. You will either choose to be a believer and identify with Christ or you will have to deny Him. I want to choose Him. I really do. I want to choose Him and I want you to choose Him. Because what Brother Williams said when he first took the microphone should be the resounding truth of every heart and mind. We want to be saved. We want to be saved. No matter how many times you've heard it, this world is not our home. It's not. Jesus shows something to the disciples. I must admit, Brother McFarland, truthfully, when I first read this, I, I, I see him grab James and John and Simon Peter and pull them away from the disciples. And I wonder how elite that must have felt. I think about the other disciples that are there and, and I wonder the self-contemplating and how thought-provoking, maybe even slightly discouraging it must have been for him to have hand-selected these three, but not us. get pulled away and they don't get very far, probably thinking we're about to see something so powerful. We're going to see another side of Jesus. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were about to see a side they weren't ready for. They saw a side that eternity would forever record. He was heavy and sorrowful. Do you know that as believers, we desperately needed this moment of His humanity recorded? Amen. We needed recorded this moment, Brother Romine, so that when we ourselves feel overwhelmed, we can be reminded that there is no temptation that comes against man, that He has not given us the ability to overcome. There's, there's nothing that we suffer that He did not in His humanity feel if we don't believe that, then we don't truly believe that He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. If you have ever felt heavy, you can rest assured He felt heavy first. If you have ever felt afflicted, you can rest assured He felt afflicted first. It's hard for us to really figure this out in our finite minds, but this is where I would like for us to try to get. Again, on Sunday we will celebrate, but tonight I would like us to contemplate. I would like for us to consider. You know how overwhelming, I know how overwhelming, Brother Grover, it is for me at times to deal with the sinful nature of one person, my own. I have to battle what it means to be Joshua Brandon Carson in this world, in the culture of this world, and try to live Christ-like. I cannot even fathom, Brother Losh, what it must have been for multiplied millions of sinners for that weight to have come upon me. And that is exactly, men and women, that is exactly 
what he was enduring in that moment. That's why there's no way for us to really truly comprehend. But there in the garden, in that alone time, with the example of separation for prayer and choosing a select few for a closer and a more intimate, he's calling them to a place where he is going to ask them, watch and pray. I need you to watch because what you see will bear witness to how you should be. And he is going to teach them the example that you must watch because of temptation that will come. But I will tell you, it is hard to pray while you're sleeping. Wouldn't it have been great if he'd have given us that gift? Sometimes I have friends, and, and I, I'll tell you, it's happened to me a few times, a few times. That might be embarrassing to some of you. But only a few times have I woken up praying. Most of the time, I don't wake up praying. I just feel real normal. Most of the time, I want to hit snooze. Wouldn't that have been a great one of the gifts of the Spirit? What about one of the fruit of the Spirit even? We just worked through the fruit of the Spirit? What if one more he tucked in there is once you became a believer, you could pray while you were sleeping? That'd be a great way to maximize time. But he challenges them to watch and pray and he separates himself and he says those famous words, if it be possible. I know we don't like to, I know we don't like to be challenged mentally in this way, but we must challenge ourselves, Brother Norman, with the reality here, okay? You're a, a new father again. You're going to deal with some of those sleepless nights again and some dirty diapers and all that stuff. God bless your heart. And know what it means for middle of the night to be tired and to be weary. So he is physically exhausted. He is mentally overwhelmed. And he is spiritually feeling the weight of millions, multiplied millions of those which he has become the sacrificial lamb for. And so it's through that filter that we must consider those words. If it be possible. You want to know the scariest truth? It was possible. It was possible. He just would have had to be out of the will. He was teaching us something about self-control and self-restraint. If it be possible, let this cup, what? Pass from me, nevertheless. Oh, I've never been so thankful for the word nevertheless. And not, that's not a word you use all the time. Nevertheless, this is a good place to use it. Not my will. What was he saying here? This is not a confusion in a Trinitarian view of God. This is the flesh saying, not the will of the flesh, but the will of the Spirit be accomplished. The dynamic plan, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the... Mm-hmm. I can't, the one thing he could not do was he could not lie and it was already put in motion that he would be the lamb. But his flesh for the first time. Can you imagine the foreknowledge of God having the full foreknowledge of God, the absolute foreknowledge of God 
knowing the horrific nature of the crucifixion which lie just ahead of him. He is in the garden yet can already feel the warm and callous embrace of Judas. Hmm. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He is... He is burdened. He is overwhelmed. He is, he is beyond thought provoked. And he comes back to the three. Not all the students. Not all the disciples. The three that he specifically handpicked. The three. Just three of you. Surely it's just three of you. And they are sound asleep. And we see this little sight of Jesus where he wakes them up and he says, can't you stay up? He, specifically, he chews out Peter. Peter had it coming. And, 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 and he, he just, could you, not, could you not stay up an hour? Can you not stay awake? Now, I think we need to, and I think we need to bail Simon Peter out here. It was the middle of the night. It was dark. He was sleepy. I want everybody in the building that would be willing to be really honest right now. Have you ever fallen asleep praying? Oh, look at you. You're like, yes, and I have Bible for it. <laughs> There's, bi <laughs> There's Bible for falling asleep. If you've ever fallen asleep during prayer, you are qualified to preach Pentecost. He goes back and he goes into prayer. He prays the same thing three times. And what he is showing is he is showing the need to continue, watch this, continue to drive back and submit the will of his flesh. One good prayer is good, but typically one good prayer won't cut it. If one good prayer wouldn't do it for Christ, what would make us think one good prayer would do it for us? And there are entire religions based around the thought of one good prayer. I'll let you chew on that. It doesn't work that way. He, he heads back. He, he, he doesn't really retreat as much as he does escape. And he gets to this place and he begins to pray. And they fall asleep. It's a, it's a repeat offense. It's a continual act. But Luke 22, when it records this story, this is, this is the chapter where it talks about, as it were, great drops of blood. How many remembers that? Great, great drops of blood that, that fall from him. This uh, hermitridosis is, is the modern term or the scientific term where the capillaries that are close, the blood cap, and I'm not going to get graphic here tonight, um, but in modern cases where this has been studied, they say the reasoning found is because of absolute mental anguish. The mind has become so overwhelmed that the capillaries that release sweat actually begin to release blood through the sweat pores. If you don't think he was agonizing over you and me, then you need to read it again. Brother Trano, the people that we're going to reach on Saturdays when we're hanging up these door knockers and we're, and we're going and we're meeting individuals and we're inviting people to church and, and those that were showing up. Man, we've had, we've had several people. We've had dozens and dozens of people. Two weeks ago, I think we had 120, 130 people come on a Saturday and go and, and, and flood this city. Can I tell you and remind you of something? We cannot knock on a door that he hasn't already thought about. 
He was in the garden and agonizing over it. And God forgive us because at times we refuse to be inconvenienced to share the gospel. Pastor, don't be hard on us. It's Wednesday night before Easter. I'm not being hard. I'm talking to me. This is not a you. This is an us. We have to remember the price that he paid was not so that we would be ashamed of who we are or who, we is, who he is, but so that we might identify, wait a minute, if we really believe that this is life and life more abundantly that he purchased on that cross, then nobody should go to hell unless they go over our hands that are outstretched reaching for them and our voices that are calling out to them. What is this principle that he was teaching them? Watch and pray. Have you ever seen someone pray with their eyes open? It's honestly slightly disturbing. <laughs> Some of us have been called. <laughs> Some of us have been cultured. Most of us close your eyes and pray. We even say it, don't we? I'd like everyone to close your eyes and pray. People that are suspicious have a hard time with that. <laughs> Close your eyes and pray. I can remember being a kid and always wanting to have one eye open. Especially when they said, I want you to lift your hand. If you're dealing with something, I want everyone, all, uh, all heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, if you're really needing something. I remember being a kid and being like, <laughs> somebody close to us raising their hand. You want to nudge your buddy, right? But he's, he's trying to teach them a principle right here. He's trying to let them know temptation is coming. If I want to give up, you're going to want to give up. Is it, is, it really, is it really shocking that he walks to Peter and he says, you can't even stay awake an hour? You're the same one that's going to curse out a girl around the fire. You're going to deny who I am. And Peter's like, it's the middle of the night. God typically does not work at the level of our convenience. <laughs> Most Christianity is not based on convenience. In fact, the cross causes conflict and conflict causes resolution. The intersection of the cross is much like the intersection of our life. We find the intersection of our life where we meet the cross and where we have to deny our flesh. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I. Not I. But Christ. And so here we are. We're walking towards the celebration of Easter and we're, we're easing towards that very, very clearly. But, but truthfully, what we have to understand is if I'm going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection, the joy of an empty tomb, then I, over the next few days, need to take some time while I'm walking around my house saying, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that was shed. When's the last time you said this? Thanks for not passing. I know we talk about the cross. He called it the cup. We drank of the cup of communion Sunday night. I'm glad that he didn't pass that cup so that we could have 
over the next few days, I feel really prompted. Would you just lift your hands with me right now? And would you begin to give him thanks and praise? Would you worship him for not passing the cup? Oof. Come on, give him thanks and praise for not passing. Mmm. 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 My, my, my. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. He told them, he said, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. From personal experience, he was now able to tell them, I, I, I understand what you're dealing with. This is why you must watch and pray. The spirit is willing. Ladies and gentlemen, your spirit wants to live for God. Your spirit wants to do righteous. Your spirit wants to be holy. But your flesh is weak. Listen, it's not that your flesh is evil. Your flesh is not a demon. Don't give the devil that kind of credit. That's false. That's not, it's not accurate. But it is weak. Okay? You cut off the blood supply from one of your appendages, you're going to lose it. Your flesh without the blood is insignificant. It's actually useless. It becomes dead weight. Spirit's willing. The flesh is weak. He tells them, get on up. Get up. Rise up. Time's at hand. Verse 47, and I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to dive into it. But I, I would tell you this is where the betrayal comes and Judas comes. It shocks me that he calls Judas friend because I don't know if anybody here, Brother Hunter, would have called Judas friend in that moment. Whew. Whew. I'd have judo chopped him right there. I'm a, I'd have laid hands on him suddenly. That's a. But he does. He embraces him because he knows. He has, he has three times prayed the same prayer. He has wrestled with it. And he has come to the resolve. I'm on a drink of the cup. He knows. He's told them. It's, it's time. It's time. It's time. Takes Judas. I've, I've always wondered, haven't you, what that moment was like when he locked eyes with Judas? <sighs> I'm going to tell you, if you don't think it shook Judas, he hangs himself not long from now. Ooh. So third, third point, and I'm almost done, is this, that betrayal, betrayal does not define you. His will defines you. It's what he taught us in this moment. Because people will turn their back on you. People in the world, people in the church, people in your family. But Christ is teaching us here, it's the mission, not the moment. If it would have been about the moment, he'd have let the cup pass. If it would have been about the moment, he would have reacted differently to Judas. It was not about the moment. It was about the mission. Amen. And so betrayal did not define him and betrayal cannot define us.
Stand with me as I conclude by telling you what we must, what we must do as believers. We must get back to where we watch and pray. Somebody shout out, why did he tell them to watch? I'm glad you asked. Because temptation was coming. Guess what? I don't even need discernment to tell you this. Temptation's coming. Temptation. Temptation's coming. For who? Everybody in the room. Every one of us. Some of you have dealt with it this week, and if you haven't, you'll probably deal with it by the end of the week. And if you don't deal with it this week, you're going to deal with it by next week. It's just reality. It's going to happen. You're going to deal with temptation. It's truth. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's inevitable. Come on, tell them. Tell them it's inevitable. Turn to two or three people. Tell them temptation is coming. You better be ready for it. So why... So why do I watch and pray? Brother Sipes, I watch and pray because having open eyes gives me a definitive way to pray. It helps me be aware of my surroundings. And I will tell you, if you're sleeping when Judas shows up, Well, I felt that, and I think you did too. We got to watch and pray.